right, all right, all right. Day 287. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. And today I'm super excited because we are in uh, a very important book uh, in the New Testament, but one that is often overlooked. Today we are uh, working through the book of Philemon, right? And the thing that Philemon uh, wants to uh, get across to us, the book Philemon and uh, the Apostle Paul through the book of Philemon wants to get across to us is that the gospel, hear this, the gospel upends and subverts every human social institution known to man, right? And it does this through the power of reconciliation, right? The power of reconciliation, right? And basically in this text, Philemon the person that Paul is writing to is this wealthy believer that has a church at his house in Colossae. Now, backstory. Remember, this is a modified chronological plan. And so this is why uh, Philemon is going to come after Colossians, right? Paul establishes this church in uh, Colossae. And Philemon is one of the wealthy wealthy cats there who has a church in the same region, right? So many have uh, even argued and compared uh, many of the themes in the two books. Now, so... So, so in other words, uh, Philemon likely got converted, right, in Paul's missionary journey to Ephesus. Now, Paul is writing this in prison, so it's really good, and he's going to play on the theme of being a prisoner of Christ and how he wants uh, uh, Philemon to respond to these realities. Now, in this day and age, Christian and non-Christian, all Greco-Roman household patriarchs, which Philemon was, had slaves, right? And slavery... In antiquity is another episode. However, what we can say here <laughs> is that one in five people in the Greco-Roman world, when the time that Christianity came on the scene, were actually slaves. So, in other words, the institution, the institution was everywhere, right? And slaves were ubiquitous. They were, they were, they were, they were everywhere in society. And it was never, it was never though based on race, right? So we, we could be clear about that. It was never based on race. Um, emancipation could be purchased, and even though not always, even though, uh, uh. It could, it could be purchased. It was it was often voluntary, right? It operated on a spectrum, and it was often uh, so that those who were, it was for those who were extremely poor who wanted to pay off a debt, so it was uh, a, a way of uh, indentured servitude. We've said that before. However, the kidnapping caste system we've seen in American chattel slavery is incongruent with the slavery of Paul's day. I just had to be clear about that. With that being said, though, Onesimus, right, the one that Paul talks about in his letter, is one of Philemon's runaway slaves. Right. He ran away from Philemon and apparently uh, he wasn't a Christian when he ran away. And now under the tutelage of the Apostle Paul, he know he ran into the gospel globetrotter that is the Apostle Paul. He becomes a Christian. And the traditional view is that uh, he defrauded Philemon right on his way out. Right. He took some some of his bread. Right. Probably stole some, cheated him. Who knows? But probably. He probably took some. And however, we, we, we see that Paul in mediating the situation applies the gospel between the two and shows us an amazing picture of its power to radically to radically transform any and all social institutions. So that's just the background, right? <laughs> For this small letter, a lot is going on here, even though it is not a lot said here. Um, one thing I want to address really quick before we jump into the text is that um you may be wondering, why didn't Paul, this was a perfect opportunity for the Apostle Paul to call for straight up emancipation, right? For the abolishment of slavery, right? And one scholar uh, anticipating this pushback uh, says this, Paul urges Philemon 
to accept Onesimus in a way that radically alters the slave-master relationship. It is their fictive kinship as brothers in the Messiah and co-workers for the kingdom that transcends societal norms and also transforms their attitudes, actions, and responses toward each other with a decidedly Christian ethic. And he goes on to quote another scholar who says this, the epistle to Philemon brings us into an atmosphere, hear this, in which the institution of slavery could only wilt and die, right? Could only wilt and die. And it's funny because um, he's absolutely right because uh, there's, there's another book. There's a book. I'm going to recommend a book. Uh, uh, African-American Readings of Paul, Reception, Resistance, and Transformation by Lisa Bowens. Lisa Bowens is a New Testament professor at Princeton Seminary. And uh, she basically just makes an argument that uh, African-Americans throughout history, uh, even in the time of slavery, appealed to the letters of Paul <laughs> for their uh, abolition, for their resistance, for their own liberation. And so you see how even uh, the way the gospel came um, in, in, into history in the first century and how it uh, placed slaves right in, in the ancient world on the same footing with masters right this radical equality that wasn't present in the ancient world right we can go and talk about aristotle i've, I've said this before on the podcast aristotle right who was a, a predecessor to paul was one who, uh, who 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 really did have a more uh chattel kind of slavery view and said that no no slaves were just tools right they were living tools and they weren't anything but property and things and you see the gospel uh saying something radically different and this being the impetus for people to uh fight for liberation and freedom in the years to come in spite of the ways that Christianity was misused and abused. Nonetheless, Paul starts off this letter. Uh, he starts off this letter and he says, um, I pray that your participation, talking to Philemon, in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. Now, Paul uses this very important word here, koinonia. That is the word for participation in verse six, which can has and it has the sense of uh, fellowship, right, or sharing. Here, Paul is saying, let the participate, participation or fellowship of faith in Christ, in the Messiah, that we all share with one another as believers be effective in you in what I am about to ask of you. In other words, when we become Christians, fam, we have this close, intimate fellowship with one another, right? Because we are all one with one another in the Messiah in Christ. There's a there's a remarkable spiritual unity here that can be done and accomplished no other way. And what Paul is going to say here is because of this intricate, intimate association and relationship we have in Christ, uh, this has uh, benefits, but it also has responsibilities, right? And these responsibilities usually lead to radical implications. So this is why he comes down. He says, for this reason, for the, for the reason of the fellowship and the faith, he, want, he wants to say this. I am sending him back to you, talking about Onesimus. I am sending my very own heart. I wanted to keep him with me so that in my imprisonment for the gospel, he might serve me in your place. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that your good deed might not be out of obligation, but of your own free will. For perhaps this is why he was separated from you for a brief time, so that you might get him back permanently. Listen, verse 16, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a dearly loved brother. Now, Paul makes his request on the basis of three relationships. So in other words, Paul is requesting that um, Philemon take Onesimus back and receive him, not as a slave and punish him, but actually as a brother because of the transformation that has happened in him in the gospel, right? And so Paul is going to make this request on the basis of three relationships. One, Paul's relationship with Onesimus. Onesimus' uh, mean, uh, name means useful. 
And Paul will use a play on words in these texts to, to, to say that he was once useless, but now he is, he is living up to his name. He is my son, my very own heart. He's come to faith in the gospel. We family now, right? Two, Paul's relationship with Philemon. Philemon and Paul already were on good ground, right? As Philemon came to faith via Paul's ministry as well. And he is his partner in the ministry as well. Three, Philemon's relationship now with Onesimus. Right. This has now been changed through and by the power of the gospel. He is now Philemon's brother, Onesimus, in the Lord. And the most important relationship that exists between Philemon and Onesimus isn't slave and master anymore, but it's brother and brother. It's brother and brother. And I just want to say, like, regardless of the history that we may have with someone, right, regardless of the background we may have with someone, uh, if, if, if that person, he or she is now a Christian, they are not, uh, what, what, what society would say they are most fundamentally with you. They are now brother or sister in Christ. And this is radical, right? This is radical because what the gospel is saying is that, um, there is something now that goes so much further and deeper than any ethnic type of family, any uh, social institution would, would try to would try to use to bind two people together. Um, it is something so much more deeper and so much more powerful and so much more eternal. Uh, and that is uh, being in God's family. So Paul says this in verse 17. So if you consider me a partner, he uses the word again, fellowship, quinonia, right? Uh, welcome, welcome him as you would me. I love it. And if he has wronged you, this is good. In any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account it is striking that this is the only letter in the pauline corpus where paul being obsessed with the gospel as he is doesn't explicitly mention the death or resurrection of the lord jesus christ why 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 because paul in a sense hear this is metaphorically participating in the work of jesus how by reconciling two people that should be enemies right Jesus, remember, 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 Jesus, according to Paul, reconciles people that would be hostile to one another across ethnic lines, gender lines, class lines, and social lines. But Paul in this letter is the means by which this happens. Remember, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He is, we are ambassadors for Christ. In other words, because of the work of the gospel, we get to participate in what the Messiah is doing by his spirit as agents of reconciliation between people who would otherwise be hostile to one another. And so you see Paul being this intermediary here between the two in the same way that Jesus is an intermediary between uh, people, but also between us and God. Paul says, receive him as you would me. He says, charge whatever he owes to my account. In the same way God charges our debt to Christ's account, Paul asks that Onesimus' debt be charged to his account, right? And in the ancient world, it's so funny because in the ancient world, if you were a runaway slave, fam, it could, it could potentially cost you your life. Especially, especially if you stole something on the way out <laughs> from your master. But because of the cost of the Messiah, Jesus' life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, all human institutions are overturned through family, forgiveness, and reconciliation. Listen, the power of the gospel doesn't just reconcile us vertically to God, but horizontally to one another across the lines through which the world would love for us to divide. Wherever you are in your sphere of influence, my prayer today is that you would be an agent, a means of reconciliation 
between real people in real uh, messy situations and thus participate in the work of the Messiah in the world. Let's pray. God, we ask for your grace to uh, participate in the work of the Messiah in the world as Paul gives us a beautiful picture of him doing so here uh, in the book of Philemon. Lord, I pray that these words would not just be things we know with our heads, but seep into our hearts and make uh, its way into our hands and through our body as we live out uh, the death and resurrection and reconciliation.